0: to introduce Sarah and Micah Simmons to you guys this morning, if you haven't met them already. Um, Mark and I have known Micah and Sarah for many years, I think about 13 years ago when they first came to Community of Faith, and we've had the pleasure of watching you guys and your children just grow in the Lord as we've seen your journey and, and seen you take those steps of, of obedience and those steps of courage as you've literally followed god around the world and that's kind of why we wanted to share your story today with everybody i know you guys have been a part of giving to the best gift offering for all of these 13 years and recently you found yourself uh, really experiencing it in an amazing way personal way in your family um just recently sarah and micah completed the adoption of their fourth son um, who was living at uh, Community of Faith's orphanage in Costa Rica. And so they have benefited from what you did. Um, Way back in in 2005, 2006, you guys built the orphanage there before you even built buildings here for yourselves as a church. And so we're excited to share that story with you this morning. But I want to start back a little earlier in your story. Like I said, you first came to Community of Faith about 13 years ago. And at the time, it was... Kind of a chaotic time in your life in your marriage you guys are struggling a little bit but you made the decision that you were going to put god first in your family and follow him and and that's how you ended up here at community of faith and since that time i've heard you talk about having kind of god moments in your life and i wonder if you could share a little bit about that with us
1: sure absolutely so um if i think back to 13 years ago uh, mike and i were living the American dream um, with healthy, happy boys, marriage, nice house, professional careers. Um, By all means, we had made it, uh, but it didn't feel that way. Something just felt incomplete. um, And that turned into a a lot of chaos and conflict for us in our marriage. Um, And it was a very dark and difficult time Um, we decided to put the Lord first, and we came to Community of Faith, Um, and if I think back now, having hindsight and looking into that story, our son Noah is 13 years old, Um, so the time that was the darkest and most terrible time, God was uh, creating our son, um, and creating our son in a place that we would know and get to meet him, and be with him 13 years later Um, we several years after we'd been at community of faith we went on our first mission trip to costa rica to that orphanage um, nine years ago and uh, what struck me as we were in costa rica going through the adoption process um, the abandonment decree for our son when he first entered into the orphanage was the exact day that we arrived at that mission trip in costa rica nine years ago um, and so it's just not been a coincidence. God has been working in our lives and, um, we're grateful this month. We celebrate 20 years of marriage, um, <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. and we have a complete family now with four boys at home.
0: It's exciting to see how God was working in spite of those things and putting things into place way before you ever knew that it was going to happen. I want to fast forward a little bit from that 13 years ago but a few years later you guys had the opportunity to move overseas with micah's job and it's obvious from this vantage point now to see that god was giving you that international experience for you and your boys and and even uh, teaching you to have a heart for the world and for other peoples and i wonder how you saw god working through that experience while you were living overseas
2: now at the at the time um we just simply didn't realize it. it's only in, in hindsight. It, it was a difficult decision for our family to, uh, to move abroad. Um, Sarah had to leave her successful uh, medical practice. Uh, we had to uh, uproot our boys from the only life that they had known. And, and um, you know, they had to leave their uh, extended family here in the U.S. Uh, so it wasn't uh, obvious at the time. And it, and it was difficult uh, in periods when we moved to Norway uh, we struggled to find a church that was had become so important in our life, uh, like COF. So uh, we decided to invite some friends over and uh, stream you and Mark uh, in our living room every every Sunday night uh, and hold church there. And while it was different, it was um, it was something that was very rewarding. the the um, The intimacy of that s- uh, small group setting uh, was 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 very helpful for for us and them. Uh, and then we moved to uh, Southeast Asia uh, into a country where Christianity wasn't the norm. Uh, so we were we were challenged to to be able to to speak about God and and Christ to folks that uh, really had no knowledge, uh, only what they had maybe seen on the TV, uh, and likewise, you know listen to to them and their stories of of faith with uh, with an open heart. And um, you know it, it's only in in hindsight that we see that you know it was God's plan that Uh, we had to develop a a broader understanding of of God's world outside of our uh, little bubble here in uh, suburban uh, Houston. Uh, And also, you know, impressing that upon our our boys, you know, the the compassion and the empathy for for others. And, you know, our oldest went to Burundi and and was walking with those kids uh, in the landfill. And uh, our middle son uh, went to Costa Rica last year and uh, was uh, playing and sharing fellowship with with those kids, not even knowing that uh, one of them was going to be his future brother.
0: That's amazing. I love that. I know uh, it's my understanding the church you started there in Norway continues a little community of faith there. So hi guys, um, we're glad to have you with us, Sarah. I know when you guys return to the U.S., which can be really difficult. Mark and I experienced that as well when we moved back um, from Mexico, but kind of had another God moment at that time. Can you share that story with us? Sure.
1: Um, So following God has not been an easy thing for me at certain points. And um, that was definitely one of those points. We came back and I thought I was going to just jump right back into my previous life. And uh, as a family medicine doctor, I was ready to go back into practice and have a normal eight to five job and a normal life again. Um, and I was pursuing that path, but kind of had an off feeling about what was happening and was actually kind of at the final contract signing, um, with the executives of a large health system here in Houston and just really had one of those God moments of this is not it. And, and I literally just put the pin down and said, I have to go. And I walked out and, um, Laura remembers, I called Mark and Laura crying from the parking lot. And (laughs) I do remember
0: that. (laughs)
1: I, <laughs> um, I knew that God had something different, and and I wasn't sure what that was, and I didn't know what that meant, and it was really uncomfortable. But I knew I had to follow.
0: You know, every time you guys had one of these kind of big moments where you stepped out and followed God, you didn't necessarily understand everything that God was doing, but then you saw Him work to transform your hearts and transform your minds. And so you came to work with us here at Community of Faith, and a couple of years ago in your role here at the church. Um, you led a summer trip to Costa Rica where you spent time at the orphanage there and, and again, experienced one of these God moments. What happened there? So, again,
1: God seems to work in these chaotic, stressful points in our life, and it was one of those moments, again, a lot of stress with our oldest one was having health issues, um, a lot of job issues with Micah's career, um, and here I was leading a team in Costa Rica, um, And the last thing i would have ever considered is adoption we have three great boys um teenagers why would i want another one and so it it was the last thing that i would have thought but god kept drawing me to this one child to this one particular child over the days that we were there Um, and i i heard him speak and he said he is yours Um, and i dug my heels in and said absolutely not this is we are not adoption people we're done um, and God just kept pushing and pushing. So I came home and talked to Mike about it, and we prayed about it. And now we're just a little over a year later, and uh, Noah is home with our family.
0: <laughs> so adoption was never on your radar, never a thought. And now 2020 is here, and God has added to your family something that he orchestrated beginning 13 years ago, putting all the pieces into place and I love how he does that. I know there have been a lot of faith moments along the way. And and it, probably people in the room here that think, you know, I, I would really like to step out and follow God, but I, you know, I can't. I don't have the gifts or the talents or I'm just ordinary. And I wonder what would you guys say to somebody who's in that place this morning thinking, I really want to walk in God's spirit and follow him, but, but I don't know if I can do it.
2: No, I, I would just... Um encourage you to to take that leap of faith um it was not clear to us um unlike sarah god doesn't speak directly to me and tell me you know thou shalt do do this um and 2020 has been a difficult time for for our family much like uh, i know it has been for everybody else we've had to deal with uh job loss uh, we've had to deal with uh, some some pretty profound uh, emotional uh challenges with with our boys and um health issues with with some of our extended family so if there was ever a year where i would have said hey hey god you know give me a pass Uh, maybe we'll pick this up uh, next year uh 2020 would certainly have been it but um you know when we prayed about it there there was no other option for for this boy Um, god didn't have a, a plan b you know it was going to be our responsibility to um to forge ahead uh, to bring him into our family and to to love and to to care for him and um, you know at at any point you know there were a thousand reasons not to do it but uh, as we were steadily being faithful and obedient um, God stepped in I said you know we'll do this you need to take care of these other things um, and he has de- and he has delivered uh, and the other thing that um, that we're pretty diligent about as a family is just Making those hard decisions as a family, including including our kids, uh, it's important for us uh, for for us that they understand that um, uh, they're going to have to make these sacrifices as well, and uh, maybe more more so than than we do, and um, that they're able to see that that uh, that faithfulness and that obedience, uh, God will be there even if uh, you're uncertain about it.
0: We're so proud of you guys. And what better way to lead your boys in their faith than to make those hard decisions and to to walk with God in obedience. So thank you for the example that you guys are for all of us here today. Will you let me pray with you before you go? Will you pray with me this morning? God, we are incredibly grateful that you orchestrate our lives, that you work out every detail. And we can see it so clearly in the Simmons family, how 13 years ago, you knew what you were doing and you began to put every detail into place. And God, we thank you for that. We praise you for what you've done in Noah's life to bring him to this place, to join the Simmons family. And now they're complete with their four boys. Lord, we do pray. For the family, for Micah and Sarah, for wisdom as they continue to adjust and get to know one another and even learning language and how to communicate better. And Lord, we pray in particular for Noah as he makes his way into this family and and finds where he belongs. We pray that he would feel your love and your acceptance and your provision for him. And God, I thank you for the good plans that you have for every one of their boys. And I thank you for Micah and Sarah leading the way as they follow you in obedience. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here.
3: Thank you, Micah and Sarah. That was awesome, huh? Well, I'm excited to be with you today. I got my new crutches. Yeah. They're pretty good. I I got them on Amazon, and I didn't realize they had all these bells and whistles like Got reflectors, so when you see me going down 290 at night, don't hit me, you know, I'll just be. And listen to this when you back up. No, I didn't really do that. I just have these buttons. I don't know what they're for, but, you know, it's just crazy uh, going through all of this stuff. I know all of you have been going through things, so I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, I won't make David stand back here and hand these things to me for too long. Thank you, bud. All right, if you're a believer here today, I wanna talk to you just for a minute. I wanna talk to you about what Jesus says it means to be a believer. And I want you to see if what you have experienced is lining up, okay, with what he has said. I'm gonna put these down here so they won't be in my way. And so let's look at what Jesus said about it. Let's look at what he has to say. If you call yourself a believer, this is a message from my heart to yours, really from the heart of Jesus to you and to me. Jesus says this, the person who trusts, and that word trust in the original language, the Greek of the New Testament, full out committed to, okay? The person who's full out committed to me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the father will be seen for who he is in the son. I mean it, whatever you request in this way, I'll do. That's pretty powerful, pretty strong words, isn't it? You know, you think about that and I think, well, what were those works that Jesus did? What did he come to do? I mean, I know all the healing and all the, those miracles, raising people from the dead. I mean, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But really the chief thing that he came to do was to seek and to save people that were far from God, to bring God's kingdom to bear on this prodigal, lost, broken planet of ours. And that's what he he said, that was what he came. That was his work. That was what he was here to do. And when it says, you're gonna do greater works, I look at that and go, what in the world, Jesus, do you mean by that? Because it kind of throws me off, you know? How can I do greater works than what you did? I don't think I'm gonna be raising people from the dead all the time, and stuff like that. Well, it means greater in the sense of more. It's it's like a multitude. You see, when the omnipresent God, who was everywhere, became a human, he was only in one place. He limited himself to Jesus, and he was there in one place, tiny little country called Israel, just in a little part of Israel, actually, not the whole country of Israel. And and he did his works there. And now he's saying, but as those of you who believe in me, together, all of you, there's multitudes, a billion of us or so believers, you're going to do more greater works. It's the multitude of the works, not just the, the, the magnitude of the works. And so uh, w- when you look at that, you begin to kind of get what he's, what he's saying. Together, community of faith, we do greater works. What if? Prayer after prayer after prayer was being answered. He said that's what he wanted to do. He said, I'll, I'll, if you ask me, I'll do it. But look what he said. He said there's, a, there's kind of a prerequisite to that because I think a lot of people today, you, you watch on television sometimes and you'll hear a, a televangelist and he's almost acting like prayer is that fervent rubbing of the lamp, you know, and God is our, our genie that comes out like in Aladdin's lamp, you know, and oh, Jesus, please you know, I really need that new car, you know, you know what I need here, and and, and please prosper, prosper me, and if, if God would just come and give us our three wishes, and whatever we ask, it would be like the greatest religion ever, right, you know, but that's not what he's saying here. He says, if you ask for things that go along the line with what I'm doing, I came to do. I came to seek and to save. I came to bring God's kingdom to this lost planet. I came to see change happen in this broken place. And it's interesting when we think about our prayers, let me just ask you, believer, are your prayers more along the line of what Jesus is about and what he's doing? Are you kind of asking him, are they more along the line of what you're doing and saying, Jesus, here, I've got an agenda. Now you get on my agenda. I'd like you to bless my agenda. Here's my agenda for the day, Jesus, bless it. And what he's saying is kind of the opposite of that. John Piper, he uses the analogy. He said, it's kind of like um, we've made prayer instead of the walkie-talkie calling in reinforcements for the battle that we're in to bring God's kingdom to bear on on this planet. We've kind of turned it from that wartime walkie-talkie into an intercom asking for more luxuries in the den, you know? I would really like that plush couch, God, you know, in the in the den, and if you could just supply that, that would be awesome. Um, and that's how we in America have kind of flipped what Christianity is sometimes for the American dream, you know, of comfort and you know prosperity and moving up, and and God's going like, well, let me just tell you what it's all about is seeing my will done here, what I want to do here, and. One of the things I found out about God, you know, when you pray that, you might see your prayers answered, but you might not even realize it. Some of you, you had your prayers answered, but when God answers our prayers, Jesus said, you pray it, I will do it. But he does it in the way that he chooses to do it. And he said, his ways are so much higher than our ways, right? As high as the heavens are above the earth, his ways are higher than ours. So some of you in 2019, you prayed, let me learn patience, God, please, and shame on you for that. No, I'm kidding. You thought he was just gonna like pour patience into you and it was gonna be this like magic stream that comes and he goes, well, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lock you in your house for 2020 with your spouse and your kids, right? And you're going, Lord, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Or some of us are praying, you know, God, please bring America back to you, whatever it takes, and you think it's just going to be some great revival of God, you know, going, and it's like, and he brings pandemic. We haven't even seen all the economic roll out of that. So a lot of us have felt it already, but we haven't yet seen what's going on. And it's like, God, what are you doing? Are you Maybe he's bringing us to our knees a little bit. God does things like God does things. And we're going to realize at some point that sometimes he's answering our prayers and we don't even know it. God, bring your kingdom to bear. I, I bet his apostle John, he always was like the right hand of Jesus. I bet he didn't understand when his brother James was the first disciple beheaded. I mean, just within weeks after Jesus went back to heaven, James is taken prisoner and beheaded. And then right after that, Peter's taken prisoner and he's to be beheaded and an angel comes and rescues him. And if I'm John, I'm going like, well, did you forget about James? James. And God's going, no, I didn't forget about James. Have a different plan. You see, it doesn't even stop here. We, in heaven, he says, we're gonna rule and reign with him. And there's different things, different jobs that he's got for different ones of us. And when we're ready and when it's time and when he's ready, we, we don't even understand what he's doing. He's got this agenda that goes so far beyond what, what we've, we've got in our mind. Jesus goes on, he says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. He will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. Wow. I mean, this is the secret of the Christian life. There's no other religion that says the God of the universe is going to come and make his home in you. That's why when people pray that little prayer and say, Jesus, come into my, <clears throat> my heart as a, a child. That's where we got that from. It's like, come in to, I want you to live in me. He says, that's what we'll do. We'll come and make our home in you. It's one thing for us to go to heaven. It's another thing for heaven to come to us. And most religions, people are trying their best, you know, working their way. And a lot of people thought that have, have thought, maybe you too have thought that Christianity was like that. If I can just get my good to outweigh my bad, and if I can just help my fellow man, and, you know, in the great eternal scales, maybe God will say, well, you're good enough. You can come in. It doesn't work that way. You have to receive what Christ did on the cross for you. The Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in you. That word, when he talks about his Holy Spirit is in this and he calls it, he calls it the savior, another savior. Some versions call it a helper. And it's such an interesting word, paraclete in, in the Greek. And, and parac it means to come alongside to help. I was reading this last week about Jackie Robinson. He was the uh, first black man to play uh, major league baseball. And he broke the color barrier getting into Major League Baseball, but it was, uh, it was tough back in, in that day. The race relationships were, were difficult, just like they are in our day. And everywhere he went, he was jeered. Did you know that? People would call out jeers at him, usually from, usually from the other teams and stuff. But he was in his home stadium in Brooklyn, and he made an error, a bad error, And all of the home fans started jeering and booing. Pee Wee Reese, who was the shortstop, Jackie Robinson played second base. In the middle, uh, Jackie just had his head down and Pee Wee Reese went over and he stood beside him and he just put his arm around him and he pulled him up close and he just stared down the whole stadium. He looked all the way around until it was silent. And Jackie Robinson said later, he said, that arm on my shoulder save my career in that moment. Well, that's what it's saying here. The one called alongside, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's, he's there to, to encourage us, to help us. Some of you got these old tapes playing in your mind and you think it's God and he's going like, are you there again, down in the mud, down in the muck? I am so sick of you. I mean, you're, you're never gonna amount to anything. Maybe that was your dad and not God, you know? Or maybe it's just an old tape that you're playing because that's not what God does the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's not accusing you. The Bible says that's the devil's job. He's the accuser of the believer. But the Holy Spirit's going like, oh, come on, little girl, get up again. I know you fell, but you can get up. I'm going to clean you, and I'll make you white as new fallen snow, and we're going to move on forward. Come on, you can do this. Come on, come on, boy, you can do it. Get up. We're going to get up and get out of that. Let me wipe you off. Let's go. Come on, we can do this. That's The Holy Spirit, if you hear that voice, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. He will make his home in you and live inside of you. I'm telling you this, Jesus says, while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Instead, be courageous. Wow, Jesus, I mean, Jesus is just preaching a sermon here. I don't even need to hardly expound on that, do I? I I heard about two painters who were asked to paint a depiction of peace. And one of them painted this serene lake surrounded by high mountains far off away from all of humanity. And it, it looked peaceful. But I think the second painter understood the kind of peace that God's talking about here. He painted a thundering waterfall and this fragile birch tree that came out from under the waterfall, sticking out over where, where everything came down and pushed through the waterfall. And out on the end of that birch tree was a, a nest with a robin just laying in the nest serenely. That's what he's talking about in the midst of everything. He didn't say that your life's gonna be this calm and tranquil life. That's not what he said. He said, but I'm gonna give you my peace. Look at his life. There was never a life that had that much turmoil in that short of time. I mean, wave after wave of turmoil. That The Bible says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And you look at that and it's like, That is his life. That's what happened. And people betrayed him and everybody let him down and wave after wave until they put his broken body in the tomb. And it's just, to me, it's like looking at that, you begin to realize Jesus on the outside, there was turmoil, but inside he was so serene, like a a sea of glass, the peace that he had on the inside. He said, that's the peace I'm giving to you. It's interesting because this is the last night of his life when he's talking in this passage. It's almost like this is his last will and testament. I'm gonna give you something. I don't have gold. I don't have lands. I don't have all of these things that I'm gonna bequeath to you, but I bequeath something to you. It's what I have, my peace I give to you. Are you experiencing that, believer? You feel that? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He wants you to have that peace. And who's qualified to give it more than the Prince of Peace, right? In this, in this Christmas time, we think of him as the Prince of Peace. I think it's interesting that when he was born, the angels appeared in the sky and they said, peace on earth has come. Now, it is still a foretelling. It was still a prophecy because Jesus is ultimately gonna bring that. But when he was born, peace And then as he's dying, his last words before he dies, I give you peace, my peace. And then he says, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. These are the same words that Moses gave to the children of Israel right before his death, right before they crossed into the promised land. The same words that God gave to Joshua as they were getting ready to take Jericho in the promised land. Jesus is saying it to us today. Don't be afraid, be courageous. Don't give in to fear. God's got something, the promised land, something that he's got for us. It's coming, it's right there as we get in on what he's doing. But here's the thing, they're his works, not yours. He says, you know, as you get in on the stuff that I'm doing, as you line up with what I'm doing, but I'm the one that's gonna do it. I think it's so telling that before Jesus went back to heaven, after he was resurrected, the last thing he said to his disciples before he left planet earth, he said this. It says in Acts 1, verse four, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. So the Father had promised us something. What was it? The Holy Spirit. See, the, the disciples are like me, maybe like you, type A personalities. They're going, Jesus is risen from the dead. We gotta go tell everybody. We gotta change this world. We're gonna And God's going like, oh, 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 you can't do it. You won't be able to do it. You're not able to do that. I want you to go and wait for something. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come because that's gonna be me coming to make my home in you. And I'm gonna give you the power to do it as you depend upon me, as you allow me. So what is our job as believers? Well, we're gonna change the world. I just heard it, we're gonna change the world. Give me a water pistol, I'll charge hell. That's not what I said. What's the next right thing? What's the next thing before you? What is it that's about God's kingdom? See, a lot of us, we lined it all up with our agenda and we're praying, God bless my agenda. And God's going, no, you get in on my agenda and watch every one of your prayers start to be answered. Watch what I'm doing. It's so interesting to get in on God's kingdom. I'll talk for just a second about money, okay? So if you're here and you're not a believer yet, you haven't stepped into this journey, Don't be offended, this isn't for you. This is for those of us who stepped into this journey, okay? You can just kind of sit on the outside and and listen. But the way we treat money here at Community of Faith is a lot different than sometimes maybe you've heard on TV. It's not like, hey, give a dollar and $100 is coming back to you. Just wait and see, right? That's not how God works. But Bible-centered generosity starts with the understanding that God doesn't need our money. He, he, He doesn't need it it's a little a little different than you see in all the needs. Remember, I told you if someone puts their thumb down on you and tries to press into your heart, oh, there's so much need here. Please, you gotta give. Look at all these little kids with flies on them. Oh, look at all that. Don't give to that. You say, my pastor told me not to give when you're tugging at my heart like that. Okay? I don't want you to get I want you to give because God says don't give under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. You say, I don't think I've ever given anything, been cheerful about it. Um Here's the thing, you're gonna see why you would be cheerful. Psalm 50, we don't give because God has a need either. Psalm 50, 12 through 15, God speaking. If I were hungry, God says, I wouldn't mention it to you for all the world is mine and everything in it. No, I don't need your sacrifices. What I want from you is your true thanks. I want your promises fulfilled. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble. Did you hear that? I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give me glory. Astounding, astounding verse. When Jesus talks about generosity, he's not after our money, he's after our hearts. God has no needs, he's never had a need. And if he had one, he wouldn't ask you to meet it, okay? I mean, some of us are like, oh, I gotta give God some money, poor God, you know? He's not like that. Sometimes people will come and they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, like this best gift thing, pastor. I mean, I'm not in a good place right now. I let the rich people do it, you know? I just can't, I understand then that they don't understand Bible-centered generosity because one time Jesus is watching this little widow and she comes and, he's, and she puts in two mites. A mite was like a 10th of a penny or something. She puts in like, you know, not even a quarter of a penny. And, and, and Jesus said, she just gave the most. And they said, well, what are you talking about, Jesus? That guy before her just threw in like 100 gold coins. No, she gave the most. She gave all that she had. And I saw it. I see her heart. That's what he's looking at, you see? And, and, and that's what he's, he's, he's not looking for our money. He's looking for our hearts. Uh, immature Christians, a lot of times they give when they see the need, but maturity is giving to God out of Gratitude. David understood that. He he was revealed to him where the temple was to be placed. And so he came and it was this beautiful giant plot of land. And and the, the guy that owned it said, oh, you're the king and I'll give it to you for free. I mean, if it's for God, I'll give it to you for free. And listen to what David said. No, I will not make an offering to the eternal one, my true God, that has cost me nothing. What was he saying? He was saying, hey, God doesn't need this from me. He owns the whole world, you know? But I need, I wanna show him. See, our gifts are valuable for the change they make in the world, but they're priceless when it comes to what they show about how much we value God and trust him in our lives. So believers, that's really what it's all about. What does what you do with your money show that you delight in? What does what you do with your money show who you trust in? Oh, well, I trust God completely, but are you hoarding? Well, you know, it's bad times. I need to hoard. I've got to, I, you know, I've got to, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next, right? I get it. God didn't say don't save, but at the same time, you've trusted him for your eternal salvation. Don't you think you could trust him with your money too? Say, so, well, what does that even mean, Mark? You know, how do I, how do, I do that? Just say this week, we're gonna give next week. It's right here, all the different ways that you can give. This is above our regular tithes. This is a one-time gift. All of it's going out to stop sex trafficking in Houston, to stop that in the Philippines, to the orphanage in Costa Rica, to all that's in Nicaragua and and Burundi. And you've know you started, you've given over 200,000 jobs through loans and other things in Burundi. That's what it's going to. But you don't say, oh, that's a big need or let me see what I got. Let me, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give? And it'll be sacrificial. For some of you, that might be not a lot right now. You're going through a lot, but God will see your heart and that's all that matters. The Holy Spirit will say, give this. For some of you to even feel a sacrifice, you might have to give six figures, you know? But what I want you to do is when you look at that, number that you are sending in, I want you to be able to say to your kids, say to your spouse, as you get everybody together, this is truly a sacrifice for us. You know, one of the things that concerns me and is really on my heart sometimes is that 80% of us who come and call community of faith our church home, don't give, don't give hardly anything. And, and, of those, there's like sixty percent that give absolutely nothing, and to me, when I look at that, that's not a that's that's not a money problem. That's a that's a heart problem, and I think we've got to be careful because a lot of us, when we think we're believers, it's because we're a fan of Jesus, you know, and, and I think he's calling us to be more than a fan, you know. A fan of the Texans is one that's up there, you know, maybe in the stadium or at home, and they're watching them, and you know, when they're doing good, everything's great, but all of a sudden they start doing bad again you know and it's like we're going to lose this game again and 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 you've kind of got your 14th chicken wing you know you've been eating and and they're not playing good and the offense maybe is slowed down to nothing and you boo you might even find yourself booing but then there's JJ Watt you know I want you to look at JJ Watt I mean JJ Watt if we're behind 40 to nothing and he gets out there on defense what does he do he gives everything full out every time right I mean, he just goes and goes and goes. I want you to be a J.J. Watt Christian. That's what I want you to, I want you to keep keep on, I want you to give it everything that you've got, not just be a fan of God, because see what happens then, if you're just a fan, you kind of know it because when you don't understand what he's doing and the pandemic hits and the job goes away, boo God, boo. No, I wouldn't boo God, I would never, boo. but you know you're doing it kind of in your heart, right? And it's so easy, it's so easy to do that. God's going, hey, my ways are higher. Trust me. The one who trusts me will do these things. The one who trusts me will see prayer after prayer after prayer answered. The one who gets on my agenda, it's gonna be the most amazing thing. Generosity is not something that God wants from us. It's something God wants for us. See, God wants us to be generous, not so that he can get the money out of our pocketbooks, but so we can experience what it really means to live full out trusting God. And that's my dream for you. Whether it's your money or it's your time, whatever it is, when we get on God's agenda, life becomes amazing. I I read this A few years back, it was a kind of a life changer for me. And it's just called Bike Secrets, okay? Let me just read it to you. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things that I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like the president. You know, I, I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know it. But later on, when I met Christ, it It seemed as though life were rather like a a bike ride, but it was a tandem bike. Christ was in the back helping me pedal. It was amazing. And, And I don't know just when it was that he suggested that we change places, but life has never been the same since. You see, when I had control, I knew the way. It was kind of boring, actually. It was predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when Jesus took the lead, He knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. And even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal, I worried, I was anxious. And I asked, Jesus, where are you taking me? And he laughed. He saw the look of love in his eyes as he looked at me, but he didn't answer. And that's when I learned that I was going to have to trust him. I forgot my boring life and entered in fully to every adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and just touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, of unconditional acceptance, of joy. He gave me gifts on my journey and off we would go again. And then he would say, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight, And so I did to people we met. And I found that in giving, I received. The journey continued. Our burden was so light. I didn't trust him at first to take control of my life. I I thought he would wreck it. But you see, he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make those sharp corners and how, how to jump clear off high rocks and do things I could never have done. If I were in control and I'm learning, I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm not sure, when times get really, really tough, when we're moving through some of the roughest, difficult times, And I just am almost to the place that I'm not sure I can do it anymore. He leans back and grabs my hand and he smiles. And he says, just pedal. I want you to close your eyes with me for a minute. Have you switched places? Have you let him have control? You're still in the front, you know, trying to guide it. God, bless my agenda. Man, life opens up, believers. Opens up like, it's so amazing. And the world sees God. That's what Jesus said. God will be glorified and and they'll see God through us. They won't see people saying, oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Prosper me, prosper me. They'll see people that are making change happen on a broken planet. They're bringing life and joy salvation to the world. That's us. Let me pray over you, God, with all of my heart. I know it's your will that all of us, not just 20% of us, but all of us step into this journey. Some of us, our our mouth has talked a good game, but our wallets betray us. God, let us line it all up with you. Let us put it all on the line and say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? The next right step. What is it you want me to give next week? What is it you want me to do this week? I'm available. I'm here. I'm ready. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit for making your home in us. It's Beyond belief. We appreciate it. We love it. We're glad that you're there. But so many of us, we forget. And we've just been trying to run our lives ourselves instead of enjoying those intimate moments with you. Teach us how to do that. Show us what to do. And God, when times are tough like this, let us see your smile and let us just keep on peddling. Do all that you have for us. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God in us, in our families, in our children. Let nothing thwart your good plans for us to be part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.